we've been worshiping as I've been praying throughout the worship services today, the thing that I felt like the Lord was impressing on my heart is scripture that Paul, where Paul wrote to Timothy and said that God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I don't know about you, but I know for me, that's something that I really need to hear. I need to remember the spirit that God gave me is a spirit of boldness and, and courage. And to remember too that it's the love of God that casts out all fear. And we're in a place where we find ourselves feel, feel fearful or anxious. So we need to run to the love of God. We need to saturate ourselves in the love of God because it's in the love of God that we realize that nothing can harm us. Nothing can do anything to us. In the long run, we've already won the battle. And so we can be grateful. Not even death has power over us if we're in Christ because Jesus overcame the grave. He overcame death. He overcame hell. He took everything that Satan had to throw at him. And today he sits at the right hand of the Father, alive, because Satan couldn't hold him down. So I want to encourage you this morning that we don't serve a weak God. We don't serve a dead God. We serve a God who's very much alive, a God who's very powerful, and a God that can give us his strength when we lean on and depend on him. Amen. Today we're going to continue our series, uh, Bigger Than Me. And uh, we're going to do that when you sit down just a second. If you want to turn in your Bibles to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6 is where we're going to be. But I want to pray for us real quick. And then you can sit down and find the verses. We'll jump into the message. Father, thank you so much for not giving us a spirit of fear. God, that you've given us this spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. God, I thank you that we don't have to live in bondage to this world. But we can be set free through you. And God, I pray you would do that in our hearts today. Set us free from this world. And God, even though we all are carrying troubles and things that are going on in our lives, I thank you that you told us that you've overcome the world. And I pray that we could cling to that and hold on to that. God, I pray today that as we look into your word, God, that you would speak to our hearts. I pray that you would challenge us, God. And I pray, God, that you would grow us to be more like you. God, don't let us leave here the same way we walked in. God, let us leave here different. Let us leave here changed. Let us leave here more like you, God. We love you, Lord, and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, as I said, you can turn there to 1 Timothy. We're going to be in chapter 6, 1 Timothy chapter 6. And... Uh, give you an, a little, little uh, idea of where we're going today. We've been looking over this throughout this series at different uh, ways that the church is bigger than us, that, that we belong to the church, the church is bigger than us, it's got, um, it's something that's so much bigger than one person, it's so much bigger than one uh, little C church, it's the church universal, and God's called us uh, to, to do things that are beyond ourselves and to do things that, that only he can do. He said that we would do greater things even than what Jesus did when he walked the earth. And I believe that. I believe that God calls us to do those things. I believe he calls us to see more salvations, see more baptisms, see God working in more people's lives, um, performing miracles and doing the things that only God can do in the lives of people. And so I believe that with all my heart. And that's really what this series has been about. And today we're going to look at a topic that you all love and that you're going to be so glad to hear that we're talking about because 
Today, as we look at something bigger than us, the church is bigger than us, we're going to talk about generosity. Right? Yeah, everybody's excited now. Yeah, we're going to talk about generosity, and we're going to talk about um, what God tells us and teaches us about this. And here's the thing that I really want you to hear from me today and, and, and hear from my heart is I don't want anything from you, but I do want something for you. And, and that's God's heart too. Is he, he's not looking for something from us. He wants something for us. And I believe that with all my heart when it comes to God and to God's word. If we're going to really stand on God's word and trust in God's word, we've got to believe that God is good just as we talked about in that song, as we sang that song. God is good. He's good. And we, we have to hold on to that and believe that so that when we come to teachings that maybe challenge us, we remember that God has our best in mind. And so today, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about uh, generosity. We're going to talk about the trappings of money. I'll be honest with you, this is probably my least favorite subject to talk about. And the reason it is is because inevitably someone will, will, will misconstrue my heart. They'll misconstrue the heart of the church. But I want you to hear today, if you don't hear anything else, we want something for you, not from you. If you walked in here today and today's your first day and you look at it and you're like, well, this is a pretty big church. They just want money. Look, God's taking care of us. Since day one, when there were seven people gathered in a pond house, God's given us everything that we need. I'm not here today to beg for money. I'm not here today to, I'm not here today to, to try to get you to give more money. I'm here today because I want to teach you the truth of God's word so that we can be set free from the materialism of this word, world, right? And be set free from, from the bondage that can come when we're chasing after the dollar. So how many of you, just to kind of kick this off, how many of you have ever been in a situation or a place where, Maybe you were with a group of people and someone said something and, and it felt like the air just kind of sucked out of the room. It was one of those things like, I can't believe they just said that, right? You know what I'm talking about? Those kind of things like, and nobody really knows what to say. Everybody just kind of gets quiet. Or, or you might have been somewhere with someone and, and, and just someone's presence walking into the room. It was kind of like everything got quiet, everything got still, and there was all of a sudden this elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about what we're talking about today. It's like when I say money in, in the church, it's almost like <gasps> everybody tenses up, the air goes out of the room, and we're just kind of like, oh, my gosh, what's he going to say? What's he going to do? Um, and, and the thing that I want us to be able to do is take a deep breath and, and be able to hear what God teaches us and what God wants for us today. And so out of 1 Timothy, I want to read um, the first three verses there, 3 through 5 in chapter 6. It says, if in, and this is Paul writing to his protege, Timothy, his spiritual son, Timothy. He's trying to equip him to pastor the church in Ephesus. And so this is what he tells him. He says, if anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, they are conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that, that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed by, of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. And so when we look at those scriptures, I want to talk to you first about why is it hard for us to talk about this in church? Why is it hard to talk about generosity or, or money in church? Why is it difficult? And I believe out of those first three verses, we can see a couple of reasons. And the first of those reasons is that because of the abuses that we've seen with money in the church. 
If we're honest and we've, we've been around and we've watched TV a little bit and we've heard stories about people who um, abused the money that the church was given. They did something with it they shouldn't have. They took it. They ran away with it. Um, they ran away with the money and the secretary. You know, the different things like that that you hear that go on. And so we see these abuses of money all the time. I was in a service one time where um, the pastor was called up. It was a guest speaker. The pastor was called up to the stage. He stood on the stage, and the, the speaker who was there for that, that meeting um, came and, and had everybody start laying the money at the pastor's feet. And, and, and so he just stood there. The people are bringing the money and laying it at his feet as if it was supposed to be going to him or something. And we've seen those kind of things, and those kind of things drive us crazy, and they make us angry because it, it gives the church such a black eye. It looks so bad. And so that's one of the reasons that we have such a hard time talking about money or generosity. And Timothy talks about these, these false teachers who were there preaching for financial gain. They were preaching for fame and notoriety and those kind of things. And he's warning Timothy about this. But sometimes it's abuses with money within the church that we have the, really have the problem with. And so we become very skeptical about it. The second one out of those verses about the false teachers is, is oftentimes it's the way that money has been taught to us or the way that generosity has been talked about. And it's something that it just becomes very legalistic many times. It's just you do this, uh, you know, and, and this is what you do. And if you don't do this, then you'll go to hell and, you know, and we'll be glad, that kind of thing, right? And so it's, it's really where it becomes a legalistic thing of, you know, I got to give this percentage or, or I'm not a good Christian. And it's all about really trying to be a good Christian rather than just giving out of a heart of love and gratitude for Christ and what God's done for us or giving out of gratitude for how God's moving in, in a church or whatever it might be. We give oftentimes for the wrong reasons. And sometimes rather than it being a gift from the heart, it just becomes something that we're obligated to. We just budget it in like any other thing. But God's much more interested in our heart than he is in our money, right? And the thing I want you to hear today is that God wants something for you, not something from you. I remember uh, early on in the church, we had been going for about a year and a half, two years, and I'd gone away on a retreat one weekend, and I got back. I wasn't there on Sunday. Someone else preached for me, and I got back in on Monday morning. And when I walked in, there was an envelope on my desk. And so I went over, opened the envelope, and inside the envelope was a check for several thousand dollars. It was like $20,000. And we're a young church. That's, that was probably like, I don't know, maybe five months of giving for us at that time. And, and so it was a big deal. And I opened it. And then I looked on my desk, and there were some rolled pennies, just, just, just um, probably about $10 to $15 worth of rolled pennies that were on my desk. And there was a note that went with them. And the note was from this lady who we helped out um, on her house. Her house was in such bad shape that when it rained, it literally rained in her house. The eaves of her house were rotten, so all the water just ran into her house. We went and put a new roof on her house and did a lot of cleanup work for her and, and tried to help her. And out of gratitude, she had brought these pennies that she had rolled from what she had gathered in her house and had given them to us as an offering and a way to say thank you. And, and right there and there, God spoke to me. And he said, don't you ever make it about the amount. It's about the heart in which it's given. And I realized that, that God saw that those pennies were just as great as that check. And it's been important for me, and it's been a lesson that I learned, and something that I want to always remember is the heart in which both of those offerings were given. Both were sacrifices, and both were given not because they had to. 
not reluctantly, but because they wanted to, because of what God had done in their hearts and in their lives. And that's what I want for us as well. Anytime we start talking about money, anytime we start talking about generosity, the question typically is this, well, how much do I have to give, right? How much do I have to give? But that's kind of like someone asking about their girlfriend, like how far is too far, right? Because we're kind of asking the wrong question. How far is too far? We just want to see just how far we can push it, not stay back away from where we need to stay to be pure. But when we ask the question, how much do I have to give, we're kind of asking the wrong question again because we're asking out of this mindset of I just want to do the the minimum that I can do and, and be done with it. And a lot of times questions come up about the tithe. If you've been in church for very long, you've heard people talk about tithing. And a tithe is 10% of your income. And, and there's a lot of questions that surround the tithe. Does the tithe still matter today? Was it an Old Testament thing? Are we now under grace so that we give um, differently because we're under grace? And, and there's good arguments on both sides. And I'm going to be honest with you. In what I'm about to tell you, I am in a no-win situation. Because there are some of you who are in here today that feel very strongly that tithing is still part of our obligation and what we should do. And then on the other side, there are other people who say, no, Jesus fulfilled that law and and there's no reason for us to have to tithe anymore. We give just out of our heart. And the thing that I would say is there's good arguments on both sides. So I'm kind of in a no-win situation. So what I figured I would do is tell you what I do, what I believe in, that that I believe God has shown me and, and how I operate and just be able to share that with you. If you have questions about it, you can come see me. If you have, have other thoughts, you can come talk to me. Um, I had people after the nine o'clock service that came up, I'd be glad to answer any questions that you have. But I want you to hear my heart as far as tithing goes, a tenth of our income. This is what I believe, and I want to tell you why I believe it. I believe that giving 10% of our income is really going to the local church, and it's really the floor of our giving, not the ceiling. And let me explain to you why I did this. The first question I would ask to that is, did Jesus say that tithing was something we should do? Because here's the thing, the Old Testament talks about tithing and giving in that way, just tons, just tons of talk about it. The New Testament you get to, and it's very quiet about the tithe. Even Jesus, he taught, listen, he taught more on money than heaven or hell, right? But the tithe, he was very quiet. And we have to ask, why is that? In fact, there's only one place I know that Jesus talked about it. And that was in Matthew 23, 23, when he's getting on to the Pharisees because they tithed out of their spice rack. They were tithing even down to their spices, but they had neglected the other things that Jesus saw as more important, which was love and mercy and those types of things towards people. And so he says, you should have done the former. In other words, you should have done the tithe. That's great. He said, but you should have also done the latter. You shouldn't have neglected the latter. That what, what, what he was telling them is the love and mercy and those things, they should be more important to you than just the tithe and doing your legalistic duty. And so Jesus in one spot talks about it. And otherwise, the New Testament is really quiet about it. And so we have to come to our own conclusion of how does that work? What is, what's the Bible saying? Because on one hand, it doesn't say a lot. But on the other hand, I don't think we can argue a point by what it doesn't say, Right? And so we've got to look at that and come to our own conclusion. This is the conclusion that I've come to. Jesus didn't talk about it much. Even in that one verse, it's still pretty vague as to what he's saying about it. But this is the thing I take away from it. It was important because Jesus told them that they should do it, okay? But, but it's still vague. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't set all my belief on that one, one scripture because it's still pretty vague. 
Um, but I will say this, um, as far as the Old Testament goes, the law was fulfilled. Jesus did fulfill the law. But there's some reasons that I believe that God would call us to give generously and that 10% would be the floor, not the ceiling. And, and let me take a time out right here. Because the thing I don't want you to do today is walk out of here feeling burdened or feeling condemned. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So if you're in a place where you're not able to do this right now, then guess what? Take a step of faith and take one step in that direction. If, you, if it's in your heart that you want to honor God in this way and you're just not able to do that right now, then take a step towards him, a little step. And one step at a time, you begin to get to where God wants you to be. But I don't want anybody walking out of here today feeling condemned or feeling less than. The, the point of this is not to heap burdens on you. The point of this is for us to be able to be a people who honor God with our money and who are set free from materialism and the bondage that comes with that. And so when we look at this and you see this, um, this is what I believe. The first thing is I believe that tithing was a principle that was put in place before the law. If you go into scripture and you look back in Genesis, the first tithe was given by a man named Abraham. Most of you heard of Abraham. Um, he gave it to a priest and king named Melchizedek. And so he, that was the first tithe we ever see. The second place we see it is in Genesis also where Jacob gives a tenth. He says, I'll give a tenth of everything God gives me. I'll give it back to God. And he says that. And so this was a, a principle that we see in operation before the law ever existed. So when the law was fulfilled, I don't believe that it took that away. I believe that, that he fulfilled the law, yes. But there were principles put in place before this ever um, was established. And so the second reason is this, that I don't believe Jesus ever lowered an Old Testament standard. I believe he always raised it. You think about lust becoming adultery. You think about hate becoming murder. Jesus held us to a higher standard because he was looking at the heart. It was about the condition of our heart. And so I don't ever see Jesus lowering a standard. The third one is this, that I believe God expects greater generosity from a New Testament believer who is filled with the Holy Spirit than he would an Old Testament believer who doesn't have the Holy Spirit, okay? The Holy Spirit is in us if we're Christians. And so it's really when our hearts are being shaped to be more like Christ that we become generous. And this is the thing that I believe. If we'll focus our eyes on Jesus and we'll keep our eyes on him and we'll continue pursuing him and, and, and in that way we're becoming more like him, the natural overflow of our relationship with Christ is generosity. We become more generous. Listen, you can't become more like Christ and become more greedy, right? And so it's really when we're being shaped and molded into the image of Christ that we're going to become more generous. And so I think that's important for us to see. I think it's important for us to know. The thing that God wants for us, if you keep reading on down, he wants for us to have contentment. In verse 6, Paul says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. And so he's telling us that the greatest thing we can do is find contentment. We know that Paul was in situations where he had a little, and Paul was in situations where he had a lot. And he tells us in Philippians, he said, but I found the secret to contentment. And the secret to contentment is that in Christ, he could do all things, that Jesus was his all in all, no matter whether he was in a time of plenty or a time of want. And so he wanted us to see that this is the secret to contentment. And he wants Timothy to be able to be content, to have this godliness with contentment, which is great gain. And listen to this. This is where contentment comes from. He says we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. So the very first thing that we need to see about contentment is that we have to remember that we brought nothing into the world. And we're taking nothing out of the world. 
In fact, if you go on and read the rest of that, it says, but we have, if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And so we have to remember that, one, we came in this world without anything. Two, we're going out of this world without anything. And only the things that we have stored up in heaven are really going to matter. And the third thing we need to see is that there's oftentimes when people pursue money, they pursue the dollar, that's what their heart is set on. It leads them in the tra- into traps of temptation, and it becomes a snare for them. And so we have to be careful uh, with where our heart is. Verse 10 tells us this, that for the, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. What's he telling us there? Sometimes this gets misquoted. And it's, it's said as this, that, that money is the root of all evil. But the scripture doesn't say that. The scripture says the love of money is the root of all evil. When money becomes our God, then that is when it becomes one of those situations where it's in the wrong place. It has the wrong seat in our life. I hear people say all the time, and as they're trying to get people to be more generous or trying to really um, hammer them on money, they're like, you know, well, money can't buy you happiness. You ever heard somebody say that? My response is this, then you're spending it wrong, right? I mean, isn't that the truth? Like, because money can buy you happiness. It just isn't going to last. I remember when I was about 10 years old, um, the, the first Nintendo came out. Anybody else old enough in here that you played the original Nintendo, the original Super Mario Brothers? We had the original thing. And I remember I loved it so much. I finally saved up enough money to go and buy one. And I was so set on this. I was so badly wanting this Nintendo that I I was convinced in my mind that we were going to die before we could get there. That was in my mind. That's how bad I wanted this thing. And so we got home, and I played Super Mario Brothers until I had blisters on my hands from holding the controller. I mean, for, for about a week, that's all I did was play Super Mario Brothers, just, just one game after another, one game after another. Started learning the shortcuts and the tricks and all that kind of stuff to get extra coins, and, man, it was awesome. For about a week. And then after about a week of playing at night and day, I came to this place where it no longer was very satisfying. You know, I needed another game. I needed something else to play. And my mom was like, well, why, that's, that's, you got that game? Play that game. I'm like, yeah, but I'm tired of this game. You know, and, and the thing is that it happens to us in our life also. We see things and we think, I really want this. I got to have this. If I don't have this, man, it's going to kill me. I got to have it. And then we get it. And then it's like, oh, I got it. That's kind of the fun's over, right? Now I need something else. Let's go after this other thing. And so we, we spend our lives so many times chasing after things in that way. And, and we can't do that. In fact, one of the other reasons that it's difficult for us to talk about this in church is that for many people, it's become an idol. It's become an idol that's worshipped. It's become an idol that takes the place of God in our hearts. And I want you to understand the place of God see, in our lives and in our hearts because I don't believe this. I don't believe that God should be a priority in our life. I don't believe that God should be our first priority. What I believe is this, that God is in and over every priority that we have, that he's not a priority on a list. He is within the list. He is encompassing the list. It, it, he is over all of it. The best example I think I can give you, I've used this a few years ago, but is thinking about a, a chest of drawers. Anybody, how many of you call it a chest of drawers? Just be honest, right? Chest of drawers. Uh, we got one of our campus pastors um, actually that does this. Now, I'm not going to tell you his names, but his initials are Billy Shiver. And, <laughs> and Billy, when he's talking, he was 
one day. He was like, and then we got his Chester drawers, right? And, and that sounds like a creepy person, doesn't it? That just sounds like Chester, you got to watch out for Chester drawers. He'll get you. And, and so it's, it's one of those things where um, he, he called it, we don't ever let him live that down. He also said one time he was, he was preaching about the woman at the well, and he said, you know, the woman in the well. And we're like, dang, she's in the well now. She's in big trouble. And so we like to pick on him about that, but he's an awesome guy, awesome preacher. But, um, but it's not a chest, chester drawers, it's a chest of drawers. And so when you look at that, um, I want you to think about our priorities are all of those drawers that, that are in that chest. And, and God's not a drawer, just a part of our life. God is the chest that holds all of those drawers together. He's the, he's the one that, that, that holds it all together, and he touches every one of those drawers, just like he touches every one of our priorities and the things that are in our life. He, he should be over them all, holding them all, um, superior to them all. He, he should have uh, preeminence over them all in our life. And if we get to a place where that's not true, then we've allowed money to become an idol in our life in many ways, in many cases. This was so important. This is why Jesus talked about it so much, because he knew that money would be the number one competitor for our heart, for him. See, God's not interested in taking from you. He's interested in giving to you. He wants you to have life, and he doesn't want anything in your life that's going to take away the life that he wants to give you. And so he gives us these teachings to set us free from these things. The last reason I think it's hard to talk about it is because we're afraid of how people will respond. How are people going to receive it? How are people going to act? You know, because the first thing that happens when you start talking about money is the preacher, he must want a new car or something, right? And, and, and those kind of things come up, and it, it never fails that somebody um, comes at me and says stuff. It's kind of like if every time you stuck your head around the corner, somebody punched you in the face, like after two or three times, hopefully you would quit sticking your head around the corner, Right, And giving is kind of that way. Talking about money is that way, that you're always going to get punched in the face. Somebody's going to say something. Somebody's going to call you on this or that or whatever. But here's the thing I want you to hear from me is I'm much more interested in, and I care about you much more than, 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 a, than taking a lick in the face. It's worth it to me. It, for me to be able to teach you the truth, it's worth it. And so the repercussions and the thing that come, the things that come, listen, that it is what it is. But, but I love you too much. I care too much about what God's given us and what God's entrusted to us to not tell you the truth. And so I want to teach you some of those truths today. I'll tell you three things real quick that I believe are important for you. If you're going to grow in generosity and you're going to enjoy being generous, three things that I think are important for us today. One of those is that we trust the heart of God right? That God's teachings on money, God's teaching on anything, that we trust his heart, that we don't think God's trying to pull one over on us, but that what God says is truth and what God says is for our best. And so we need to see that. The second thing that I hope is true for you is that you would trust my heart. And I know I had someone come up to me after the first service and he's like, I really don't know you. It's kind of hard to trust you. And I was like, well, I'll give you that. I understand. That makes sense. But I hope that if you've been coming here for a while and you've heard the messages, you've heard my heart, or maybe you've been able to, to talk with me and we've talked some about, I hope that some way, um, eventually at least, you begin to trust that what I'm going to tell you is for your best. I'm going to do my best to help you, not to hurt you. And the third thing that I think is important is that you trust the leadership of the church because it's hard to enjoy giving to something that you don't feel like is doing what it should be doing. But I can tell you this, we're not perfect. Um, because we have an imperfect person leading this thing, me. And, and we're not perfect. 
But we're going to do our best to honor God and to steward what God gives us so that we can be the most effective we can be in reaching people for Christ, right? And uh, I want to go into now. I really want to just spend the last few minutes. We don't have long, but I want to spend the last few minutes talking about why should we give? Why should we give generously? Why should we live generously? And I want to give you a few things here, and we're going to wrap it up because it's getting close to time. All right, the very first one is that we're called to be a people that listens to God and does what he says. I believe that's number one on why we should, should be generous and why we should live in a place of generosity is because God says so, in other words. God tells us to. And so we know that what God tells us to do is for our best. And so we ought to listen to God and do what he says. And all throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament, there are verses and scriptures. We don't have time to read them all today. You can go and look them up yourself. Just, just search them. And find the verses that talk about generosity and, the, and, and even the benefits of being generous and what that looks like. The second one is that we're called to be a people that is grateful for all that God has done. This is one of my favorite ones because if I look at what God has done, it makes me want to give. It makes me want to be more generous. If you think about all that God has done for us, think about just looking in this room and you see people here. Most everybody here, God has done something in their heart and that's why they're here. Look at the people that God has impacted, that God has touched. Think about the billions of people over the last 2,000 years that have been impacted with the gospel. And you see what God has done. Think about what Jesus did on the cross for us, that he gave his life so that we could have life. He took our sin upon himself, took the wrath for that sin. He, 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 took, he became a curse so that we could become blessed with his power and his presence and his purposes in our life. And so we see what Jesus did for us on the cross and through the resurrection. And now as he sent the Holy Spirit to live in us, we're in a place where we want to give, we want to be generous to God because of all that he's done. The third reason that I think we, we, we should live generously is that we're called to be a people that's grateful for what God is doing. So not only are we grateful for what God did, we're grateful for what he's doing now. Listen, the salvations and the baptisms and the, the lives that are being transformed is something that excites us, it inspires us, it's something that, that makes us want to be a part of something. And so I really want you to see that, that we're giving because of what God's doing. Just last week, we had three salvations in our services. In, in, at 9 and 11, we had three people that gave their life to Christ who, who went from death to life. And it's something that we should celebrate, and it's something that we should really praise God for. And out of gratitude, we become more generous people. We're called to be people that believes in the vision that God has for us. This is number four. We're called to be a people that believes in the vision that God has for us. Look at all that God is going to do. I believe it with all my heart that he's not done. I believe with all my heart that he's still going to reach more people. He's going to use us as he works in us. He's going to work through us to reach more people for his glory, for his good, and, and, and for our good. And so I want you to see this, this vision of reaching 10,000 people with the gospel and realize that God's given us something that's bigger than us. And it's something that, that out, of, out of just passion to see him fulfill it, it makes me become more generous to help fuel what God has given us a vision for. The fifth one is that we're called to be a people that stores up treasure in heaven and not on earth. If you want to read more about this, go to Matthew 6, 19 through 24, where Jesus talks about this because he tells us really three things that we should do when we look at uh, storing up treasure in heaven, not on earth. The first one is that we should set our hearts on eternity, set our hearts on eternity. 
realizing how fast this goes. And I know that the 11 o'clock service, this is a pretty young crowd that's in here right now. But I can tell you, as you get older, you realize how fast time goes. It may not mean much to you now, but as you get older, you're going to see just how fast it goes. If you're a freshman, wait and see how fast these next six years go of your life while you're in college. <laughs> right? And see how fast they go by. It's going to feel like four, I promise. And, and, and you're going to have to have to really enjoy it because it goes quickly. And I know for me, when I turned 40, I'm 41 now, I'll be 42 in about a month and a half. And when I turned 40, it kind of dawned on me that there might be more behind me than there is ahead of me. So I really need to enjoy the present, right? Because it does go quickly. And so we want to be people who have our minds set on eternity. The, the second thing that I believe storing up treasure does is it sets our heart on God's kingdom. It sets our heart on God's kingdom. The greatest investment that we can make is an investment that changes people's eternity. An investment that changes people's eternity, that, that brings them to Christ, that works in them and, and changes their heart and gives them life. And the third thing that storing up treasure in heaven does is it guards us from idolatry, like we talked about earlier. Matthew 6, 24 talks about how we can't serve two masters. We'll love the one and hate the other, we'll despise one and love the other one. He says you can't serve both God and money. And so we have to decide who we're going to serve. Is our money going to serve God or are we going to serve our money and materialism? Because God wants us to be free from that. The sixth thing, the last thing is this, that we're called to be a people recreated in the image of God. And so as we become more Christ-like, I alluded to this earlier, as we become more like Jesus, we become more generous. It's just what happens when the Spirit of God works in us. And so we, we come, become more like Christ and our hearts become more like Christ. And, and so we become more generous people and we, we, we want to give and we realize the blessing that there is in giving rather than just always receiving, right? And, and so we see that in our hearts. And I want you to hear and understand that greed and contentment are both conditions of our heart. Greed and contentment are both conditions of our heart. And when we strive after the wrong thing, we find ourselves being greedy to get more. But when we come to a place of being able to be content in what God has given us, listen, this, I feel like this, I feel like we spend so much time looking at what we don't have that we don't live out of gratitude for what we do have. Because the reality, guys, is this, we, we are rich, we're rich. Most people in the world live off of about $2 a day. We spend that on coffee in the morning, at least I do. We're gonna drink four or five cups, it costs money. Right? Try to stay away. And, and, and so we're rich people. We're rich. We just got to see it and appreciate it and celebrate it in our lives. And then nothing but the Holy Spirit should really have control of our lives. That's why God doesn't want us to be controlled by materialism and money. And, and here's a big thing too. When you look at becoming like God, we can't become like God if we're not generous because God is a giver. Think about John 3, 16, the most famous verse in all of Christianity. That God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his son. And I want you to see that God gave his best. He gave his best for us. So when we think about giving back to God, it only seems practical. It only seems logical that we would live generously in that way. And this morning, what I really want to leave you with is, is this, 
I want us to take a good look at our heart because I told you, I, I'm not crazy about talking about money. I'm not crazy about talking about generosity, mainly because I always get punched in the face when, when I do. But the thing that I can tell you as we look at this is that it is important. And the good thing about it, when we talk about it and when we look at it, is that it quickly reveals our heart to us and where our heart is. Jesus says that where, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so where we look and find our treasure is probably where our heart lies. And this morning, I really want us to be able to take a good look at our heart and see where we're at in that. Does God have full reign over our heart? Are we holding back some part from Him? Because what I can tell you is any area that we hold back from God is an area that we're not gonna live in freedom. We're, we're gonna live in bondage to it. But when we yield it all to God and God has it all, then we can find the freedom that he talks about. Then we can experience the truth setting us free as Jesus promised. And so this morning, I wanna pray for us. I wanna pray as we, we close out the service that God would just speak to our hearts and that he would speak to your heart right now. Not just about generosity, but whatever's going on in your life, any part of your life that, that maybe is not in his hands. I wanna, I wanna pray that God really speaks to us. So if you will, let's pray and, and just go to the Lord. God, I thank you. Thank you that we can come to you, God. We're all imperfect. We're all broken in some way, God, and by sin, but you put us back together. You hold us together, Lord, and I thank you for that. God, search our hearts now. Search our hearts and reveal to us those things, those areas that are far from you that you don't have control of, that we're trying to control ourselves. And God, let us yield that to you so that we can be truly free. As your word tells us, we will be free. That if we believe your words, if we obey your words, then the truth will set us free. So God, we come in search of you and the freedom that you offer. I thank you that we can have a relationship with you. We can be saved people, people who are saved from condemnation and wrath. And we're saved from that because of what you did on the cross. I thank you that we can be in that relationship because of what Jesus did for us. Lord, I pray that you would be with us and go with us from this place and that you would speak to us long after we say amen here. And God, that you would do a work in us that no one else can do. God, we love you and thank you for loving us, for giving us your best. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, listen, before we go real quick, I know you're packing up, but if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Christ, you don't have, a, you, you say, I'm far from God, I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then I'm gonna stay right here for just a minute. I'm gonna ask you, that's you, but you want a relationship with Jesus? I wanna stand up here for just a minute. You come tell me and we'll pray together and we'll get someone else to help pray with us and help us take next steps of faith. But if you're here today and you wanna receive Christ as your savior, then what I'm encouraging you to do is come up here and, and tell me that so we can celebrate it with you and help you take your next steps. Amen? All right, God bless you guys. Have an awesome week.